Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's up, you guys? For this episode, we're going to cover the amazing Dr. Fung, author of The Obesity Code. In particular, why Dr. Jason Fung is so awesome as a source of medical information on fasting and dieting and human health. I'm going to offer you some some theories, some observations as to why he in particular is so effective in relation to other doctors. And maybe we'll gently nudge some other doctors out there um, and talk about and offer you some suggestions as to how you should choose your doctor. Um, Because in particular, Dr. Fung, um, who's very famous, um, but he's completely changed my life uh, with his book, The Obesity Code. Uh, So I thought it'd be helpful to sort of offer you why I think he's so effective. And when you're looking for your own doctor or whether you suffer from any chronic conditions, the questions you should be asking yourself with your doctor in terms of those chronic conditions that you've been treated for, is this the right approach? Is there an alternative way that's approachable and ready? And can I reverse things like type two diabetes? Can I reverse things like anxiety? Can I reverse things um, like hypertension? Um, through a non-conventional approach. And what I like about Dr. Fung is, is that, you know, one of the worst things, not worst things, but just a practical thing that you can say is I don't have a license to practice medicine, right? Um, I'm I'm a lawyer. That's what I can, that's what I can give advice on. And even in that, just very specific areas. So there are reasons why we have licensing. This is not a meditation on that. This is talking about what types of doctors uh, you should be looking for, you know, what types of approaches you should at least try, uh, because I don't think we really think about that a lot, and that wasn't something I thought about a lot until I really came across the work of Dr. Fung, and although I don't think he really identifies himself as what's called a functional medicine practitioner, uh, I'm also, uh, he, he in fact is a, a functional medicine practitioner, because he looks to the source the underlying cause of the symptoms rather than just treating the symptoms. So that's sort of what we're going to discuss today. And I hope you'll keep tune in through the end of this episode because you might think, oh my God, this is going to be mind-numbingly boring. I got better things to do with my time than listen to uh, some sort of extended peroration on why we should uh, adopt the uh, Dr. Fung. Well, I hope you get to the end because it's going to be good because I think it it really, it it not only talks about the deficiencies in some medical doctors in the field in general, but I think it's sort of a larger uh, issue, you know, as we struggle with issues related to COVID um, and these sorts of things. Uh, When do we challenge the conventional wisdom of the medical community and how do we sort of search out those doctors that maybe embrace that conventional wisdom and at the same time are willing to, you know, not unnecessarily um, reject conventional wisdom just because it's conventional wisdom. So 
lot to unpack for this episode. I think this is going to be a really fun one. And we'll get started because I think this is a good topic, especially if you're going to start with fasting. And I'm offering you what I think is a reliable source, Dr. Jason Fung on the obesity code. I think he's been proven right over time. But not only should you look for and rely on Dr. Jason Fung, I'm going to offer you some techniques as to how you will be able to find your own Dr. Jason Fung, because there's more than one awesome doc. There's a lot of good functional medicine MDs out there. So let's talk about one character. Let's first of all introduce you to Dr. Fung. I got you into a little bit of who he is in the past, but sort of how, to, how the heck did Dr. Jason Fung become essentially Dr. Fast? Um, he is not a fasting doctor as such. In fact, there is no such thing as a doctor of fasting. Most doctors, if you ask them about intermittent fasting, I think they, like a lot of people, are going to say, oh, this is just this sort of latest fat. High fat, low carb, high carb, low fat, all bullshit. Excuse me, Susie, I shouldn't swear, but um, take the pill. Take the pill, damn it, I have my next appointment. That's what a lot of doctors say. Um, And Dr. Fung, though, how did he get into fasting as such. Well, first off, Dr. Fung is a, is a medical doctor, um, trained at the University of Toronto and did his residency, I believe, at UCLA, uh, one of the top medical institutions in the country. I mean, he started off as a nephrologist uh, embracing traditional techniques of nephrology. And, and, and as a nephrologist, what was he dealing with? Kidney dysfunction, which can be one of the long-term consequences of diabetes. And what he really discovered was, is the more and more he treated uh, these patients in the conventional approach, this is what he was taught. This is what those doctors told him to do. The patients got worse and worse, and their diabetes got even more awful, right? Because what he was doing is, is one of the things you can do treat both type one and type two, but for certain type two diabetics, as their blood sugars get too high, there's a, there's a stage where you can take certain medications, but at some point you have to start administering insulin. And what he noticed was, is that when he would give insulin to these patients, uh, they would get fatter and fatter and fatter, which tends to make them more insulin resistant and insulin resistant. And they got worse off. And then he also knew just from his treatment, well, what happens with type 1 diabetics? That's people that can't produce the insulin. They die. They starve to death because their body literally can't absorb the nutrients because they're not producing insulin. And so he's like, no, wait a minute. If I have no insulin, I starve to death. And if I have a lot of insulin, I get fat. Voila. Maybe insulin is the thing that causes me to be fat. Whoa. Whoa, and maybe that's more important than counting calories. And so he, he started looking at this and, and then he started putting it into practice. Um, and he found that it was very, very effective um, to look at what causes insulin. Well, there's a lot of things that causes insulin to be secreted, but one of the first things is, is food. Certain foods cause a greater insulin response, like high fructose corn syrup, high carbs, highly processed refined sugars. Um, others cause a lower insulin response, meat, 
eggs, less of an insulin, but they all, all cause insulin. So at the time that he sort of started practicing medicine, at that point, they had this, this, this inane diet where you're supposed to like graze and snack all day long. And he really realized that this is insane because if your body is constantly producing insulin throughout the day, you're literally telling your body you're going to be fed throughout the day and your body, what happens if you like take a, a ton of crack, right? Or you drink every day, you're going to get resent, resistant to the effects of alcohol. And what happens if you're spiking your insulin throughout the day, your body is going to be resistant and become, you'll need more and more insulin for insulin to do its job. And then you start looking around and wait a minute, why are we stuffing our pie hole throughout the day? Maybe they can make a movie someday about Dr. Fung, the amazing Dr. Fung, the fasting doctor. So he looked into the, he's like, wait a minute, there's all these religious traditions that people have been fasting for thousands of years. And then he started looking at evolutionary biology. Wait a minute, how did humans evolve? We didn't evolve to stuff our pie hole at Wendy's three times a day, four times a day and snack and graze and eat like a cow. We evolved in a, in a stage of food scarcity where we were out in the savanna and we would hunt animals and we'd get a big, huge kill. And then we would eat and gorge ourselves and then not eat for a long time. This is literally how we're wired. So he, he embraced this concept of fasting. And this gets to the first characteristic that I like about Dr. Fung. He is a rebel. Now, that is, he was willing to rebel and question against the received wisdom of his field. This is very important. Now, you can rebel and be wrong. <laughs> so you got to be the right type of rebel. And even though I'm kind of a rebel myself, I still like my rebels having the medical doctor uh, tag or doctor of osteopathy, you know, basically same thing. And a lot of times people say if you're the MDs are the only real doctors. But he was willing to, convention, to challenge conventional wisdom and I think this was something that um, I thought about a lot in terms of, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer and a doctor. Now, most doctors, I, I, I got to confess, are much smarter than lawyers. I mean, most lawyers, I mean, we're, we're kind of not that, even the smartest lawyers aren't that smart. If we, if we, if we'd been super smart, we'd have gone into, you know, um, engineering, or, you know, uh, medicine. So, we're at, but we we have an opinion. And we're not that dumb. It has to be kind of smart to be a lawyer. But most doctors are smarter than lawyers. I think about most of the people that go into medical field. Right? It's hard to get into medical school. The prerequisites are intense. You 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 can't just say I'm going to go to medical school. You you have to have the prerequisites to even get in. You have to take stuff like physics and biology and chemistry all these different things, even to be able to apply to get into medical school. And this is important because the human body is amazingly complex. So you don't want some dude smoking a joint saying, yeah, man, you look okay to me, man. Yeah, like I, like, I think like maybe, why don't we just like shoot you up with something and see how you feel. Like, you have to be smart to be a doctor. So I'm not, and, but yeah, what is one, one downside to the self-selected group? 
one, they're, they're going to be followers, right? These are going to be people that like, tell me the answers to the test. You know, this is like, you know, Janie and Ken, you know, in my generation, it was like Janie and Ken. Now it's probably Brittany and Jaden or Caden or whoever the, whoever the hell they name kids these days. Um, these are people that are super smart and achievers. I love high achievers. As a doctor, what do you want? Like a loser? No, you want a superstar. Okay, so you want people that are very smart and that can master the material and get the A's on the test. That's great. I love these people. They're super smart. What is one downside, though, that I think all doctors need to look at in themselves? They need to look in the mirror. Um, and this is something that Dr. Jason Fung was able to overcome. Well, what if the information that I've gotten is wrong? Am I willing to question that? And this got me into another thought that even for those doctors that are willing to, con to challenge what they've been taught, the received wisdom of their field, there are all these obstacles from challenging the conventional wisdom. So in the case, for example, of type two diabetes, let me just use that as an illustration. My doctor, who's fabulous, she's since retired, but I had the top doctor of top doctors. And for doctoring, in terms of what we did, she gave me exactly the black letter, the prescription that you're supposed to do for type two diabetes, which is um, monitor your blood sugars. And then if, you, if they get high enough over time, start prescribing a pill. That's what she did. That's what she did for high blood pressure. That's what she did. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what most doctors do. But think about the brass tacks of challenging uh, that model. One, you have the standard of care. So let's say you, you have something that you think is right and you know is right, and then all of a sudden your, your, your patient becomes hypoglycemic. Well, your ass gets sued, and that's embarrassing as a doctor because they, they don't like to make mistakes. You never go get sued by following the book. Number two, when you get sued and you're in a, in a medical field, you got to get with someone with similarly situated credentials to say, hey, yeah, no, I can defend, I can defend what that doctor did under those circumstances. Well, by definition, when the entire field is based upon pill pushing and does not embrace, you know, alternative sources of cause, you know, in terms of with food and dieting, I mean, they do in general, but not as, not as practicing. In order to be a doctor, you got to prescribe pills. And so there's, there's a real uh, inhibition there. There's a real barrier that if you want to be innovative, um, and you're in the health space, you can get sued, right? I mean, that's a big thing. The other thing is, is who are the people that regulate the standard of care? Other doctors. So these are rule followers. So the rule followers are telling the other rule followers what to do. Number three, you have all of these companies with a vested interest in keeping the standard of care as it is. Do an experiment tomorrow. And uh, I've noticed this, just what, look, look at CBS this morning, um, next time you, you watch TV. You know, I love CBS this morning. It used to have like Charles Corral. Remember Charles Corral? Like he was kind of, I, I, I would like to be the next Charles Corral at some point. I kind of want to be the mix between Charles Corral, you know, CBS Sunday morning, you know, where you play a trumpet and you uh, uh, travel throughout the world, small town. That's, that's kind of what I want to be. So stay tuned. I think I'm going to be there. And then a mix of like Charles Corral, Anthony Bourdain, Rick Steves, kind of a nerdy hipster going throughout the Midwest. But in any event, I digress. So 
you you want people to challenge the conventional wisdom, um, but you will they do it? And so if you turn on CBS Sunday morning, look at all of the ads for diabetes and pills. And these pills, I had a friend who's, um, I didn't know him, but his friend's wife was a sales rep and she made two or $300,000 a year. She wasn't that smart. Those prescribing pill, popping pills, not popping pills, but they're, they're all drug. I mean, they're not drug. Dealers. I mean, there's, there's legitimate uses for pills. I'm not saying that. Don't like talk to your friends while you're drinking your wine. No, Rocky was saying, to, oh, I couldn't believe he was saying to get rid of all pills. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that these companies are another inhibitor of doctors having decent recommendations. Why? Because they make all this money from keeping the system the way that it is. So we can become addicted to pills to be able to treat our medical conditions. What do they do? They then buy off our legislative bodies that then require that we do all of these things. So even a doctor who happens to have the requisite ability to question, which I think doctors embrace that to the extent that you can. I think all the best doctors ultimately end up doing that, including the Mayo brothers. They were the ones that had challenged the conventional wisdom of um, that you didn't need to worry about germs and that lab work was important. They're the first adopters of, of extensive labs on site, these sorts of things. So Dr. Fung, he was able to sort of break through with that. Now, as consumers of medical information, we can make our own choices. We don't have a standard of care for us because if we fuck up us, sorry, Susie, I shouldn't swear, but I, I, I got to put a warning label now on my podcast because I use the F word. I'll, I'll try not to, I want to keep this PG. But so we, there's all these things that really inhibit our ability to accurately uh, 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 get good medical information. I'm not saying peer-reviewed, okay? So, but as to us, we can do whatever the hell we want, right? Like we can't off ourselves. Well, we could even off ourselves if we wanted to, but I'm just saying we can be experimental on ourselves. We can either, you know, take the pills or not take the pills. We can follow... You know, we can just choose what type of doctor that we that we want to get. And so Dr. Fung, the characteristic that I think makes him very unique, and I think the fact that he was in Toronto, uh, the malpractice system there, I don't think is nearly as, as, as problematic as it is here. Our, our malpractice here system still sucks. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a big malpractice person, um, especially for medical field. I think it should be more like workers' compensation, but that's maybe a separate episode. But Dr. Fung was able to do that. So when you're looking for your doctor, there are there is an emerging field, and there really has been for the last 23, uh, 20, 25 years, is functional medicine practitioners. And I think even though Dr. Fung doesn't necessarily describe himself as such, he is a functional medicine uh, proponent. Essentially, look to the root causes. Now, for example, uh, of um, medical conditions. So most doctors obviously know that obesity is a super strong risk factor. They all know that. That was in my medical records. Patients obese. Oh my God. I looked at my medical records the other day and it was like, I was, I was like you know, 35, I started getting the obesity thing. Oh my God, she's been obese. And she all this stuff, you see how you referred to in your medical records. Patient is chronically obese. I'm not, I'm not obese anymore. And that's because of Dr. Fung. 
So embrace those rebels, look for functional medicine practitioners. And here I'm also gonna give a shout out to chiropractors. You know, chiropractors take so much abuse. They really do. They're not real doctors. They're not a doctor. They, they couldn't get into medical school. Well, maybe they could. But you know what? They're kind of a little engine that could because no one thinks that they're real doctors. And insurance is always hit and miss. I don't know how much a lot of the Medicare pays for their services. So they kind of need to actually work and they need to be able to actually get results for people. If they don't, they don't eat. So it's a field that I, I think there are some good um, in, in the health space, you know, like Dr. Eric Berg. I think he's a chiropractor. So I don't, I don't want to get, I'm never going to get my neck back. I don't believe that shit. But I do think that uh, they were also very early on in terms of using the body's natural healing mechanisms to start. And I think Dr. Fung is a great example of a medical doctor that has embraced this um, orthodoxy, but he's done it in a way in which he's proven to be right over time. So don't just choose any rebel doctor. Like what if there's a doctor that's like, yeah, man, let's start using heroin. Well, okay, there your test is, how long have you been out there? But for the rebels whose rebellion stands the test of time, so he's basically been in the fasting space now for about 20 years. As a famous fasting guy, I think he's probably only been the last eight or 10 years. And he's still, his advice, fasting is hot. And the reason why is that it works. It's not just placebo. It works metabolically. It works theoretically. And it works in practice. Okay. So doctors, questions. It's okay. You know, people say, follow the science. If you're not questioning, you're not following the goddamn science. I am swearing too much this morning, but I, Karl Popper, that is science, is the question. As patients, we should question. Ultimately, we all have to make a decision and decide what we're going to believe. But um, question orthodoxy, if, especially where, especially where, and here we'll get into the work of Thomas Kuhn, one of the theories of practitioners of the theories of science is that what ha why do they rebel? They don't rebel just for the sake of rebel. But when you start seeing these outlier cases that then challenge what you've been taught, and that's what Dr. Fung was thinking, the diabetes medication or recommendations are crap. And all of a sudden I'm doing uh, fasting and keto, um, and he's not purely keto guy, but he is kind of part of the low carb community. My patients are losing weight, looking great, getting confident, getting fit, getting ripped, reversing their type two medications. What, what the hell am I supposed to do? That's what a lot of these doctors that have finally embraced keto and finally embraced intermittent fasting. What, just close my eyes and pretend this isn't happening? So you have to have enough chutzpah to say, hey, kind of like Martin Luther, hey, here I stand. This, this stuff is crap. I need, I need to actually see how it works. So that's the first characteristic that makes him so effective. I was going to keep this rocking cash short, but what the heck? This is going to be a long one. And if you hear this far, at least you're being entertained. Are you kind of like, you know, one of the crowds in, in, the, in, the, in the Coliseum? Entertain us! Entertain us! And do I respond to you? Are you entertained? I don't know. I don't know why. I I don't know what's wrong with me this morning, but uh, you know, if you're here this far, hey, good for you. This is going to be a longer one. Okay, so he's a rebel. So look for those, and I think functional rec medicine as a field are MDs that are rebels and chiropractors. So I, there's some good ones. Jason Bradley, I like you. You're you're a good uh, chiropractor here locally and a good functional medicine person. 
but they're rebels, but they're rebels based upon what they've seen in practice. And so there's a reason for the rebellion. They're not just rebelling because they're, you know, smoking a joint in the weekend. Okay. So doctors question authority and, and use it to, to, to sort of change the world. The second thing that I think makes Dr. Fung so effective as a source is his use of peer-reviewed studies and research. Um, so in his popular literature, which, which most doctors, you know, obviously know peer review. I mean, they, they literally have to keep up on their field. So they read this stuff. But what makes him so effective as a source is his use of the peer-reviewed uh, arguments to support what he's seen clinically. And here's the nice thing that in terms of this alternative health space, they were this alternative health space, these people that, you know, embrace keto, ketogenic diet is still one of the minority positions in terms of dieting space. Fasting is still considered kind of a fringe or a fad. But what we're seeing now more and more in the alternative health space are peer-reviewed studies where people are finally waking up and looking at it. They're looking at the benefits of impulse reading. They're looking at the benefits of intermittent fasting. Uh, Dr. Mark Matson at John Hopkins University has made his late part of his career all on fasting and how effective it is. John Hopkins, I think that's that ain't that ain't you know Eastern State you know you. I mean, this is one of the top institutions on the East Coast, and he's basically become a world-renowned expert on intermittent fasting. It's real, and Dr. Fung uses those sources to um, to, to, to to demonstrate and prove what he's seen clinically. That's the second thing. Use of peer-reviewed research, but here's the interesting thing with peer-reviewed research. <clears throat> now with the internet, you can publish it online. So you can check these sources for yourself. And um, I'll just use one example. There was an um, extensive study done on women um, related to, uh, because the big thing with keto, um, and not, which is basically the cousin to intermittent fasting, was, oh, you're all going to die of heart attack. And you're all going to die of a stroke because high fat leads to stroke. We all know that to be true. Well, I mean, in his book, he cites this woman study uh, that was a nationwide study um, done by a health institute that basically showed no connection whatsoever between ketogenic diet and um, elevated risk for heart attack or stroke or any of those other risk factors that we're concerned about in having a high fat, low carb diet. So that's the second characteristic effective use of, of peer reviewed studies. Uh, so he's not just sort of pulling this out of his ass, as it were. He is supporting it with actual peer-reviewed studies. The third thing, I think this is important because it almost reminds me of uh, mathematics. I was a um, math teacher. Math, people are just bedazzled by math, right? Like, it's so fucking hard. It's not. It's not hard. Right? Even the top guys, it's, the scribbly lines all mean something, Okay. So what's the issue with mathematics? What's one of the reasons why it's so impenetrable to a lot of people? Well, here's why. A lot of people that are really good at math are horrible at explaining it. And a lot of people like me that are really good at explaining it aren't really that talented at math. So I, you know, if, I, if I had been more, if I had been a smarter guy, I would have been like a PhD in mathematician. I, I totally, but I wasn't smart enough. Um, so it's true a lot with a lot of doctors. Doctors are the good students. Doctors are the rule followers. Doctors are the ones that have, I've been getting up at five o'clock for the last two or three years. Doctors have been doing that since they were like 12. They all wanted to be a doctor and they're all good students and they all 
you know, while we were out at the keggers, they were all just sort of, you know, going back and studying, you know, rule five. By the way, doctors, I'm glad that you're out there because we need you. You're awesome. I, 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 I would have even maybe been a doctor if I was smart enough. I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. I'm a jurist doctor and I can be, I can be that, but I'm not, not no way am I smart enough to be a doctor. So you guys are really smart. So good for you that you got that natural gift, but you sometimes you need to work on your people skills and have a, you take yourself too seriously, especially in the olden days, you know, you'd have the white coat and you would come in and you would wear some glasses and you would maybe like get out your stethoscope and you would kind of look like, you know, Gregory Peck or something and have some gray in your hair and maybe grunt and go, oh, and then you would prescribe a medicine and a nurse would come in and flitter around and, you know, act like the doctor was so cool. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an authoritative position. You're not questioned or not taught to question your doctor. Uh, and so Dr. Fung is, you know, so a lot of these doctors are horrible at the patient relationship, but also communicating this, this information to the public writ large. Now that's changed with doctors like Dr. Jason Fung who have questioned some of this conventional wisdom he is extremely effective in both his YouTube presentations and his popular written word of explaining these very complicated concepts in a way that's very simple to understand. So it's one thing to be smart enough to be a doctor, uh, number one, but number two, you have to understand the research, right? Number three, you have to be clinically proven to be right over time as he has. Number four, he had to have enough of an interest to be able to write a book. I mean, think about on top of his clinical practice, he found time to write the obesity code. And he's written several other books too. I think he's recently had the cancer code and the diabetes code. So it all basically comes back to the insulin theory of obesity. And it all comes back to fasting. So he's extremely effective and entertaining how he does that. So that's sort of the third thing that I think really makes him awesome. And I think the, the final thing that really makes him so effective and I think this is just key for almost all fields. I mean, it's true with the Mayo brothers when they, when they sort of founded the Mayo Clinic. But it's just such, you know, when you see the conversion of theory meeting clinical practice, meeting a longitudinal confirmation of being proven to be right, meeting the ability to explain it to a, and, and spread those ideas to a wider audience. When all four of those things come together, that is extremely powerful. And Dr. Fung has those gifts. Now, it's, it made me think of one of these days, I'm going to do an um, episode on the Wright brothers. But the Wright brothers were not the chosen ones uh, to, to have put man-powered flight with, with, with men. At the time, it was men. Sorry, women. It wasn't. Minutes. Although there were some women, I think, that flew and evidently her sister was really good, but mainly men uh, that were going up in the, the air at first. I'm not saying I agree with them, I'm just saying that was the case at the time. But there was another competing group that was funded by the federal government that, had, that was a professor. And the professor had the latest theories and he knew all the physics. And the professor was totally theory and was basically not very good. Now, professors, I love you. I'm the son of a professor's professor. Sometimes I think I should have been a professor. Why the hell am I lecturing right now? Um, so I'm not, I'm not, my dad was a professor. 
and here's one of the huge limitations of professors, right? Is that, sorry, you're not out there in reality taking punches. And, you know, as a result of that, all your theories, well, I'm sorry, I want someone out there in the field. I don't want a professor of coaching. I want an actual coach. I don't want a professor of boxing. I want an actual boxer. Who would you rather have, Mike Tyson or professor of boxing? Tyson. And so what made, you know, for example, the Wright, the Wright brothers so effective is they were just out there tinkering in the field, testing all of their ideas. And that's what I love about Dr. Fung, even though I think he would be a great professor um, in terms of, he's a great teacher. I mean, he gives all these lectures, but he's also a practitioner. So I love the way that he weaves theory and practice um, and then is able to explain it to a popular audience. And so I think that's really what makes him so freaking awesome. He's all over YouTube. I'm not the only one who knows about Dr. David Fung. Uh, yeah, and the final thing, let's, I'll just offer this as, you know, and of one, um, I'm just saying me, Rockney Cole, uh, I basically can confirm that everything he said that would happen in the obesity code so far as turned out to be true. As to me. And that, I think that's important too, because, um, you know, certainly I can confirm that. I've lost 70 pounds since reading his book. I fast regularly and feel great, never been healthier. But I, I think also, you know, a lot of times we liberal arts majors and sometimes in this, some of the health podcasts I've listened to, we get some, you know, person that's like, oh yeah, well, these are my ideas and, and whatever works for you. And there's really nuance and there's really complexity and don't get me wrong, I'm all about nuance and I'm all about complexity. But I think one of the things that, um, I think there is a role for dogma and I'm gonna do a podcast on that against nuance, right? And pro-dogma. And the reason is, is that, we are human beings. We do share 99.999% DNA. And obviously there's a degree of heterogeneity with human beings, but we're more like each other than we are a cow, right? So with a cow, what does a cow do? A cow is designed to graze, right? They have very specific stomachs designed for grazing. Uh, a giraffe is evolved for a certain type of food, right? You don't, uh, a cat, is a carnivore, right? They're made to eat meat. A dog ultimately is a carnivore. They're made to eat dog food, which is basically, it should be meat, you know, meat, meat based, right? So human beings, what are we made for? Well, I would argue that we're primarily, we're omnivores, yes. We're primarily made for eating meat, high fat foods and other foods to survive when we can't get the meat. I think that's absolutely what we're evolved with. And I, and I basically accept that. Um, and so, these are the things that we have to be able to, um, you know, embrace if we're going to move forward. And I think what makes Dr. Fung such a great source is that he is a little bit dogmatic. He's saying, hey, this is going to work writ large. And he is, in conclusion, he is a medical doctor. He's a medical doctor that knows the theory, knows the practice, and he's been proven right over time. So Dr. Fung is amazing. He is He's a dude's dude. I mean, Dr. I'm kind of like to me, and, and he's kind of hilarious too. Let me just share one anecdote with you is that a lot of times people that criticize fasting don't know what the hell they're talking about. He's like, you know, one joke I think that he thinks is, I don't know if it's a joke, but it's the way that he's describing it. He's like, yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're promoting eating disorders. And he's like, you know, like, like we're going to promote anorexia nervosa. 
And he's like, that's ridiculous. Most of my patients are 305 pounds. They're so far away from being anorexic. Uh, it's just not even funny. And so with, uh, and, and of course, with him promoting a high fat diet, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's promoting nutrient dense foods. And if you listen to what he says, he is not for cal caloric restriction as a general proposition. So in other words, he, he wants people to keep their calories up and not down. So you don't lower your basal metabolic rate. So, um, you know, it sort of is what it is. And, uh, you know, it's just, you got to listen to him in terms of what he actually says. And I trust him because he helped me and ultimately I had to be a little bit of a rebel, uh, you know, to be able to reject some of the conventional wisdom. And I got naturally off of the pills. So I don't take pills anymore uh, because of studying the work of Dr. Jason Fong and, and others. So if you're on the fence, just get started. I mean, ultimately you have to be your own scientist as to you. And the nice thing about you, you can do whatever the hell you want with you. Right. You, you can do, you can reject my advice. You can do popping pills that makes you feel good. I think some people feel kind of good, like, oh, I'm taking a pill that makes me healthy. And I'm following what my doctor, and it's also complicated. And my doctor told me to do that. No, you're supposed to make your own decisions. And so read those health rebels. Another one I like is Mark Hyman. Um, these are all famous guys. They're not unique to me, but I, I just think that I found them to be extremely helpful. So this has turned into a little bit of a longer rocking cast, but you know, me being rocking, I can do whatever the hell I want. And it can be longer. I was going to try to make some of them a little bit, um, shorter. This one's been a little bit longer. Um, so I hope you're still, if you're still here, good for you. I mean, you, there may be a lot of critic crickets, you know, uh, with a, with an episode this long. But there were a lot of ideas that I really wanted to get out there. Uh, and I'll also just sort of offer some thoughts to you. Look into this alternative health space. A lot of it's legit, but especially I love the alternative health space where it's the medical doctors, the MD tagline. You have a certain amount of credibility there, obviously, but then there's people that through clinical experience have arrived at a different result and a different view than the uh medical community writ large. And, and he is really one of them. So friends, infinite gratitude to you um, for listening along with me this far. I appreciate each and every one of you. You know, there's a gazillion different podcasts. And the fact that you took time to spend of your busy day with me, I have infinite gratitude to you. Please continue to give us positive reviews on Apple, Spotify, all places where podcasts are learned are, are heard. Also spread the word. We're still the little engine that could. Our, our audience is growing, but we can't grow until you spread the word. So tell people about the Rocky Cast. If you're interested in fasting and stoicism and books and history, we're going to cover it all. Um, fasting, I think, is really emerging as a theme, but we're still going to do the other stuff, like my man crush U.S. Grant and stoicism and, and Iowa and science and all this sort of stuff, because I just can't have one topic. So I should, but maybe eventually I will. But for now, I'm, gonna, I'm keeping it really open-ended. Uh, fasting clearly, though, has emerged as a theme. We are going to do uh, more episodes on. Uh, the next episode is going to be Why Calorie Counting Sucks via Dr. Jason Fung and my own experience. <clears throat> Three, we'll get into the insulin theory of obesity. And we'll talk about things like ghrelin and insulin and leptin 
Lapton, isn't that, I say the church play, isn't that special? Lapton. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about Lepton. You think, oh my God, that's going to be so boring. No, it's going to be really good, trust me. And then we'll get into some of the actual food and fasting recommendations um, from Dr. Fung. So this is kind of sort of going to be, you know, a series of episodes on the work of Dr. Fung. But, you know, I want to spread the word of Dr. Fung because I lost 70 pounds after reading the book. So if you want to, if you want to stay fat, that's fine with you, but you can reverse it. And Dr. Fung gives you some very easy ways to do that. So stay tuned for future episodes. Infinite gratitude to all of you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to keep growing this podcast. We're going to keep doing these episodes. Um, so stay tuned for more good, high quality content. And uh, thank you so much. So until next time on The Rocking Cast.